0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Monday of Christmas week, we're going to call it Optimistic Monday because we want... Uh, good news stories from you. In other words, what you love about Ireland. And it's uh, propelled by a new book out. It's called, In Fact, An Optimist Guide to Ireland at 100 by psychologist Mark Henry. It's a big, big tome full of facts and figures. Mark, good afternoon to you. Hello, hello, hello. Why? Why? <laughs> well, do you know, we, we've had a lot of commemorations for the last decade. Right, decade of commemorations. We're celebrating what happened 100 years ago. But we haven't yet started the national conversation about how we've gotten on since. Okay. So, you know, how have how have we used independence? How have we developed as okay. a country? And, you know, the attempt was to say, well, let's look at it objectively. Let's gather the data. Let's see how we've gotten on. Yeah. Let's compare ourselves to other well, countries. Well, give us a few headlines on Optimistic well, Monday. The answer is we've got on extremely well indeed. I mean, the United Nations says we yeah. have the second highest quality of life in Ireland than anywhere in the world, except for Norway. Okay. You know, and why do they say that? They say that because our incomes are so much greater than other countries. They say that because our level of education is so much greater than other countries. They say that because our longevity and our health, we live only two years less than the Japanese who are the longest living on the planet. So we're, we're doing well. We're doing well. So we earn more, we learn more, we live longer. Absolutely. And in fact, it was a survey I referred to in the book. A new edition came out last week, the Human Freedom Index. What does that mean? But the point is, they said, looking at, obje- looking at it objectively, Ireland is the fifth freest place to live on the planet in terms of economic freedoms, political freedoms, social freedoms. I think we've built a really, really good place to live. Okay. Okay, okay. Now, we'll we'll stick with that tone for this edition of Liveline. We are among the world's leaders in English literature, and the way you worked this one out was um, we've the most winners of the Nobel Prize and the Booker Prize per capita. Exactly, exactly. So, in fact, we, we, I admit we have a slight advantage on the Booker Prize because you had to be a, a, an author. American authors were excluded until recently. Yeah, but hey, we'll okay. take it. So, yes, per, per capita, uh, we have more award winners in these categories than any okay, other. So, we've WBH, George Bernard Shaw, Samuel Beckett, Iris Mordock, Roddy Dial, Seamus Heaney, John Banville and Anne Enright, between them Nobel or Booker Prize winners. And a little story about George Bernard Shaw, which came up when we were doing GBS a few months ago. And that is, there's a great story about George Bernard Shaw's dustman. I don't know whether you ever heard it. He's, it was a name called Patrick O'Reilly. I just wonder if any of his family's still alive. He lived up off Sing Street where uh, Shaw lived and he, he collected George Bernard Shaw's rubbish. And he was miffed that GBS didn't have a plaque on the house in Sing Street. So the dustman, the bin man, Patrick O'Reilly, said it, started a campaign, a successful campaign, and um, got GBS plaque, okay, the, the, on, on the house in Sing Street, which is now owned by Dublin City Council and will be available, I'm told, for artists to live in, which is fantastic. And GBS, George Bernard Shaw, also had the uni- unique achievement of winning an Oscar, as well as... Exactly. And exactly. we do we oh. do well on Oscars, but there's a little caveat, which I think is fine. I've checked this with people who know. Why why are we so why are we so good on Oscars? Well, for acting, we've won yes. more than anyone else per capita, as you see, yeah. with that little asterisk at the bottom that says yeah. if we claim Daniel Day Lewis as our own. Well he is. Well, he has the Irish passport. He lives here. Uh, his father, of course, is is Irish. So, you know, yeah. I, I I think we can claim him. And he runs he runs in the Gory Marathon and 
<laughs> and he, he isn't he in the lexicon? Don't, don't some people call the Lewis the Daniel Day? <laughs> so, so we we so and we've won more Eurovisions than any other nation again. Well, you know, and some might say that's a little bit old, isn't it? It's about time we win one huh. again. No, we're letting the others get, exactly. Get, I mean, to yeah. me, to me, you know, what all that you're talking about here, Joe. I mean, it's it's saying that actually we've done really well to preserve and to build on our culture and to bring it to the world. And, you know, our, our openness as a nation, actually, our openness in, in terms of bringing ourselves out onto the world stage, but then allowing the world in, in terms of talent coming into the country, in terms of investment coming into the country, in terms of immigrants coming into the country, all that has helped contribute to the success we've had. In and last country. year, according to, to, to Anisha, and he's got the facts and figures this morning, he said last year was the best year for foreign direct investment in Ireland. The price of a Dublin to London return flight in real terms, I have the facts in front of me, has gone from 1046 euro in 1980 to 78 euro that's incredible. That's Ryanair. It is, of course, a one-hour success old Michael, story. Yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, again, isn't that a wonderful example of us opening up to the world with, with the consequence, in fact, that we take holidays overseas? I mean, you go back there and I have it in there from the early 90s. One in five of us took an overseas holiday. I mean, as recently as the early 90s, one in five. Before COVID, we were taking more holidays overseas and there were people here to take them. In other words, we're taking more than one average on each, you know. Now, it, does, it doesn't mean, of course, that every single person yeah, is taking yeah, one. Course, yeah. But I mean, that, you know, we now take, we spend more nights overseas in other countries than any other European nation. Incredible. Annie is from France. Annie, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Well, what do you love about Ireland? Oh, I... I... I have been here a long time and seen many changes. I like people, the way they are funny and the sense of humour. Yeah. And most of the time, most of the people kind. It and is a quality uh, that I appreciate very much. It is just there and I have uh, enjoyed it for 50, 50, 50 years. Yeah? 50, <laughs> 50 years yes. you, you've been here? Yes. God, and you've yes. such, you're such a strong Irish accent, Annie. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> why? Oh, why did you? Why did you come in '69 or whatever? I, because if you you might remember, General de Gaulle was yes. defeated in the election in '68. Yes, he came to Kerry. Kerry, yes. Well, to you know to recover. He had okay. an Irish Grammy also, and and the the magazines in France they showed pictures of the beaches of Kerry. Ah, yeah. Oh my, yeah. it was beautiful. It said. Hell is other people on the pictures, under the pictures. But they never told you that the, the beaches were deserted because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, it was a coverage of General de Gaulle in Ireland. It was a controversial time for him. He kind of ran away from, from France for about yes. a month and he went up to see Eamon de Valier. That photograph between of the two of them is really iconic. Um, yes. And you saw all the photographs and then you decamped to Ireland. Well done. Well, Yes, I was an au pair. It was fine. Really, okay. it worked out well. Yeah. And you've, 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 do you go back and do you go on holidays to France? Well, I haven't been for two years because okay. of what happened. But I will go again. You know, it will pick up again. So okay, stay there, Annie. All right. Justin Clark. Justin, good afternoon. Joe at RT.ie. 51551 is the text. We're talking about what you love about Ireland, regardless of whether you were born here or not. Justin, where were you born? Just, um, hi, Joe. I was born in South Africa, but um, today, um, in fact, is the exact 20th anniversary of 
uh, my family moving to Ireland. Wow, congratulations. Thanks very much. It's and and quite why? an important day for us. Yeah, why? Um, I was uh, lucky enough to be transferred for, uh, by my work out here, so not knowing the, the fantastic place we're going to be moving to. And so we arrived here, and um, uh, the company I worked for was in the IFSC. And um, oh, from the minute we arrived, we just felt totally at home. And this is your home now? Absolutely, yes. So yeah. you arrived with your wife and two children. Yeah. And did did you think, had you got it in your frame, yourself and your partner, Justin, that you might settle in Ireland or did it gradually overwhelm you? I, I think that we would have, in our, in our sort of best expectations, we would have thought, yes, it would be nice to remain here. But, you know, there's so much uncertainty when you move countries. It's difficult to know what you're getting into. You, you'd never know. Um, and, uh, you know, so just our experiences here and, and, and what we've experienced has, has, has made it so, so easy to, wow. to remain here. And, you know, it, it is now home. And when we're out of Ireland, we, we sort of long to get back. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what, do you just, what do you love about it? Well, I mean, we've heard a little bit earlier about all the great achievements of Ireland, and, mm-hmm. and obviously it's a very beautiful place. But I think the, 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 the main thing that our whole family um, agrees with is that it's the people here. That, that's what makes the difference. And, you know, we've, we've really been welcomed. Uh, we've, uh, people have been so open to us. Um, just as an example, my, my children went to a, a school in, in Blackrock, uh, Guardian Angels, which mm-hmm. had the most fantastic principal, great staff, and the, the other pupils and the parents were so helpful and welcoming to us. Um, it, you know, and that kind of thing, as, as a parent, um, when you see your children are so welcomed and, and incorporated into the local life. OK, but say that, Justin, because that sparks me into asking Mark Mark Henry, who's with us on this Optimistic Monday, the Optimist Guide to World. How are we on education, Mark? Well, education, we're actually one of the world's leaders. But I, I just I just, I just, just want to pick up the course, point that yeah. you've got two foreign callers there, yeah. and two foreign-born callers, right? Which is great, because, in fact, nearly one in five of people who live in Ireland today were not actually born here. They've yeah, come here. Right. It's actually one of the highest figures in Europe. And I think, as we've heard from the callers, uh, they're positively embraced. I mean, again, if you think back in our history, right, I mean, going back 50, 60 years, it was the Irish who were relying on the emigrants overseas to send the money back to us for Christmas. Uh, now it's the other way around. So people who live here now, in an average year, will send $1.7 billion dollars overseas, out of Ireland, back to their relatives and friends overseas. So we've become a source uh, to help their uh, families back at home develop and, and, and you know, that's... What's I think that figure again we send? $1.7 billion of remittances has come out of Ireland back to other countries every year, which I think is a great transformation, evidence of a complete turnaround. As is education. I mean, you know, when I studied, finished studying psychology, 1981, I, I finished my uh, Bachelor's of Arts up the road here in UCD, there was 13% of adults had a third level qualification, yeah. 13%. Today, that figure is 51%. I mean, in just that time, since just the early 90s, you've reached a point where the majority of people have a third level qualification, which is the highest in Europe. And one of the critical success factors for us, of course, because you know that's why 
we have attracted foreign direct investment. That's why mm-hmm. we have such great entrepreneurs uh, who've been able to transform air travel and other sectors because we have invested in fulfilling people's potential and allowing them to contribute to their fullest. And that has, that has brought us forward and will bring us forward again. And Justin, have you become an Irish citizen, can I ask? Yes, uh, we all are Irish citizens now, okay. but you know, I, I, I wouldn't be as presumptuous as to claim to be <laughs> to be Irish. But um, I, I'm, I, I would say I, I'm as Irish as one can be, given that you don't one doesn't sound Irish and one wasn't born here. But I would be as committed to Ireland, I guess, as anyone else. Okay, well said, yeah. well said. And Annie, are you an Irish citizen? Oh, no, no, I remain French. Okay. I always saw it as good fortune to be born French. So I kept what I had. And where would, if you, would you go back and live in France now? Oh, no, I would not. No, Ireland <laughs> has grown on me. Why? No. France, the weather, the food, ah. the people, the culture, the wine. And you have culture here, you yes. have pleasant people, good fun and a good life. Okay, what well else? said. So. Well said, well said. Okay, Annie and uh, Justin Clark, thank you, thank you both. We are talking about what you love about Ireland, um, and uh, we have Mark. And give us a few more stats from from the book. Say an economic growth, Mark. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, and it's turning into a quiz. I'm sorry about this, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, economically, good. well, economically, in a hundred years. For for example, we are now earning on average five times more than our grandparents did. In real terms, and that's stripping out inflation, all that, five times more. Uh, and, you know, unlike other countries, that is continuing to increase. You know, so we are seeing our incomes go up. Uh, more than that, we're actually working a little bit less for them. We're actually working 20% fewer hours than our parents did. So in, in, the, in the mid-70s, the average working week was 48 hours. Uh, that's now the maximum because the, thanks, thanks to EU regulations, yeah. we're actually on average working at uh, 20% fewer. So, you know, therefore, of course, our, our, our wealth has never been greater. But interestingly, our income inequality in Ireland has declined. Okay. So we have shared the wealth better than other places. Income inequality in Ireland in 2019, it was at the lowest level on record. It's far more fairer to live here than it is the UK or the US, and we're below the EU average. Now, we're not as much as some of the Nordic countries. Okay. Some people earn lots, of course, and some people don't. But the point is, our tax system and our redistribution system, our social welfare system, gives a hand up to those who need it and make sure that those who can contribute most do contribute most. So we're, again, one of the fairest countries in terms of tax redistribution in the world. It's not perfect, but we're doing okay, well. And that's a, that's a caveat, but but this is Optimistic Monday. And I remind people that all of these facts and figures, and you can tell us what the, they're all based on surveys, studies. They're not, you're not just opining that this is the best little country in the world. They're based on facts and figures, and they go across such a... Such a such a, a range of uh, agencies and positions and interests and cultures and sports. Peter McPartland, Joe at RT.ie. Peter, what do you love Hi, about you what, what do you love about Ireland? I uh, look out for me. It's probably mainly about the music. Uh, obviously, the people first, but the music as well would be high up there. And uh, look, I think we just have a brilliant appetite and the ability to create great music in this country. That you know, for the size of the country that we are. The variety of music that we produce and create, no matter what type yeah, of music you're into, yeah. we tend to be the top of the tree. That that would be my view. You know, when you look at traditional music, uh, an old form, but you know, there's so many new artists who are taking traditional music to a new level. 
uh, you know, rap, whatever, whatever your, your preference yeah. in music is, there's an Irish artist that will beat, you know, stand up against the best in the world, you know. And there's that facts and figures on that, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I'd have to say it was quite difficult, for example, to get a, how many record sales Irish artists have done. That was yeah, what I wanted to do. Tried, so did I did try. It's yeah. hard uh, because it's done now. It's measured by record label. And sometimes that record label, U2 sales might be from a, a British record label. It's very hard to work it out. But I tried to prove we'd sold more records mm. per capita than everyone else. But I believe it to be true. I think, look, I think even what we've heard there, you know, the music, it comes from the variety uh, within the people. We've heard the strength of people coming through. This is one of the things I think that does distinguish us. We have a strong sense of community. We have a strong sense of togetherness. And those strong kind of bonds of trust between children, we don't have a them versus us so much as other places do. That has meant that we've been able mm-hmm. to, to to work together to introduce new immigrants into our into our, our country to bring in their musical styles and actually overall to make sure that all of our boats have generally speaking risen together. We have generally speaking made this a fairer place, far fairer than it was a hundred years ago. Fairer it is, even again, than it is was fairer than it was a hundred years ago. So again, the uh, one of the EU surveys recently asked uh, it asked all around Europe. You know, uh, compared to thirty years ago, do you believe that you have more more equal opportunities mm-hmm. where you live now. Ireland came top eight and ten of us. Eight and ten of us agree that there is greater equality of opportunity available okay. for Irish people now than there was just 30 years ago. Well, the third level figures show that. The incredible third, third level figures. Uh, P- Peter, you were you were uh, head of Today FM, a great station, um, and you played you played an awful lot of music. But have you have you have you read this book? Have you got this book in I, your mitt? I, I have, yeah. No, I have. Um, um, and what do you think of it? I think it's a super book because, look, we all gravitate towards bad news across no matter what medium you you either listen to or read or hear or whatever. And there's so much of it. Uh, And look, a lot of it is deserved because we are in the middle of a terrible crisis at the moment. Um, But there's kind of a general tendency to believe that we're all going to hell in a handcart. And, you know, I think what Mark has done here is collected together facts, because that's what the book says. It's, it's called, in fact, uh, an, op- an Optimist Guide. It's a brilliant collection of work that a lot of people have done, but he's managed to pull it all together. And for, for my mind, I think it's, it's a really good antidote to all the negative news that's out there. Not everybody's going to read it. It's a yeah. big tome, but it, he's written it in such a way that it's so accessible. You can dip in and out. But he also, he doesn't ignore the fact that, look, there's a lot of things that were that are not so good in Ireland. So he, yeah, he does, that's it's fair not enough. a happy, cla- yeah, it's not a happy yeah, clappy yeah, thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah so we understand it's, it's, that. Yeah, so I, I think it's it's a really good, good say antidote to what what's what's going on generally out there. Did you know, Peter? And, did you get yeah. to the page where we're, where we're actually taller than we were? <laughs> 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 well, well, I can I, I can I can def, definitely verify that, Joe. I have okay. two two lads who are Jesus, you know, they keep they still six keep six growing. They're yeah, over yeah, six foot, yeah, you know. So absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. Mark, how tall? How taller are we than the foundation a hundred years ago? Yeah, I know it's it's one of those astonishing statistics, isn't it? That on average, uh, women now are eleven centimeters taller okay. than they were a hundred years ago, which makes them the same height as men were then. But men have grown by twelve and a half centimeters okay. on average. So you know, okay. so you know, and I mean, why? Because of course, we're eating better, we're eating healthier. There's a lot more nutrition. We understand uh, what healthy living is. We, of course, have all sorts of medications. To, that have frankly eliminated most of the diseases that were there of 1922. Things like tuberculosis was the number one killer, bronchitis. But even things like measles, gone, whooping cough was 
a killer. Yeah, on. I remember. Yeah. Endocitis was actually a killer yeah. 20 years ago in the top 20. You know, we, it's gone. And of course, you know, the debilitating uh, uh, impact that they had on our health and of course, the height therefore has been eliminated. Peter, before I let you go, who your, sure. fa- your favourite bands at the moment? Oh, favourite band. It, to be, I'm, I'm revisiting the Chieftains because it's their, yeah, course, their yeah. nearly 60th anniversary and uh, it's just a fantastic album at the moment. But look, there's so many brilliant artists here. We're due to come see the Lost Brothers tonight up, oh, in, uh, yeah. up in Navin and unfortunately gig is kind of, But look, there's so many oh. brilliant people out there. It's hard to pick one, okay. Joe, you know. Well done. And look, you guys do a great job. So fair play to RT for, for keep okay. playing Irish uh, music as um, well. Yeah. And likewise to your former... Uh, yeah. employer uh, today FM thanks indeed Peter yeah. Peter McPartland uh, Aidan O'Sullivan is an archaeologist Aidan Hi Joe how are you doing you are based in uh, UCD I, I'm a, a professor of archaeology in UCD oh that's that's thanks serious. for having me on thanks and thanks for contacting us why are we the best what, 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 what do you sorry what do you love about Ireland that's the that's uh, the well, well I'm an archaeologist yeah, okay. but, but I would, well, what do you I love about say, old Ireland <laughs> I would say that as an archaeologist we have probably the best preserved archaeological landscape, uh, certainly in Europe, um, and up there in, in terms of the world. Um, we, we have an enormous number of archaeological sites. We have at least 140,000 archaeological sites in no. the public. If, you yeah. go to, if your listeners go to archaeology.ie, okay. uh, you can see what national monuments have put up there, and you can actually go into your locality and your local area and see the archaeological sites that are around, around your district. Um, so not only do we da- have that, we have uh, an enormously skilled, knowledgeable, adept archaeological profession. We have, I mean, we, we have a combination of sectors. We have, uh, we have the National Museum, which is a world-class museum. Yeah. We have the National Monument Service, which looks after our archaeological landscapes. We have us in the universities. And we have uh, a, a, an Irish archaeological consultancy sector, which basically, you know, uh, go out and do excavations. Um, and we have uh, Transport Infrastructure Ireland. We have archaeologists in there. Now, these are these are the best archaeologists we've ever had. Uh, these are the most skilled, yeah. most highly educated, uh, most experienced archaeologists that, that, that uh, have ever worked on this island. Uh, and, you know, and I have colleagues who, who, who will have skills that have never been seen before uh, in the country. Um, and I have a... I have a kind of a range of wonders. I'd have a, yeah. if, if you'd like me to say. I'd Absolutely, have a, yes. Oh, yeah, great. Well, I'd have about five things that I think are marvellous about Irish archaeology. Okay. The, the first one would be um, uh, Mesolithic Ireland. So if mm. you take that we're living in 2021, so that's, you know, just over 2,000 years since the, the, the birth of Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, during the Mesolithic, between about 8,000 BC and 4,000 BC, that's 4,000 years, um, people living in Ireland were basically hunter-gatherers, um, they, they they moved around by the seasons. We know of their houses and their campsites. We know of their diet in terms of plant foods. They were mm-hmm. fishing, they were hunting. They probably introduced wild boar into the country. Okay. So instead of seeing them as as a kind of a community of hunter gatherers who were just kind of roaming around, they 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 were the first to have an impact on on the landscape. The the second thing I would say would be is in terms of the introduction of farming and the Neolithic. So, you know, worldwide people this morning will have been looking at the, the illumination of the, of the passage in the chamber in Newgrange. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's only one aspect of what we know about the Neolithic period, the first farmers in Ireland. Uh, and for me, the standout evidence is uh, the case of fields uh, in North okay. Mayo. Yeah. It's recent to around, oh, say, say around 3700 BC. This is 
you know, a grid-like landscape of field systems erected and built by communities to herd cattle and, and, and grow crops, um, uh, which is, it, it is the best preserved Neolithic landscape in the world, uh, sealed under peace, as people would know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, 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 the advantages of a lot of our archaeology is people can go and see this stuff. You can go to mm-hmm. Cade and you can go to the Heritage Centre there and, 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 and you can see it. Um, moving on, uh, if I was, uh, my next period, I suppose, would be the Bronze Age, say between about 2500 BC and 600 BC. Go into the National Museum. Look at the stuff that we have from people who lived on this island, you know, uh, more than 2000 years ago. We have, we have the gold, obviously, in the National Museum. Um, we have amber from the Baltic. We have bronze weaponry and swords. We've got uh, pottery, the, the, the pottery vessels that they buried their dead with. Go in and look at some, even even just look at some of the pots, the art history, the, the craftsmanship, mm-hmm. the ability to, to make these amazing things. Uh, moving on into the Iron Age, um, okay. <laughs> uh, a site that I, I dug on as a, as a, a 20-year-old, uh, Coral A1, the wooden plank trackway in County Longford is uh, absolutely stunning archaeology. This massive wooden roadway constructed across the bog in the Irish Midlands. Why, we don't really know. It could have been a prestige project, maybe, by a community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it took an enormous investment of labour to, to chop down the oak trees, to split them into planks, and to drag them out onto the surface of a bog. Uh, it's more than a roadway. It's, it's, so, it's an incredible monument to a community coming together. Um, uh, and that dates to about 148 BC. Okay. And then finally, I suppose, coming to my own okay. period as, a, yes. as a, an early medievalist, um, we have an extraordinary early medieval settlement landscape that is, is certainly the best in Europe. Uh, um, put, it, put it this way, Joe, if you and me and some of your listeners got into a van and drove to Tipperary or Cavan um, and went up to a farmer's house and knocked on his door, and said to him, do you have a, a ring fort on your land, or is there one yeah. around here somewhere? Uh, he'd probably know of it as a, as a fairy fort, or she might, would know it as a fairy fort. We have about 60,000 of them <laughs> in the God. Irish landscape. Um, the, the, this is a settlement landscape that's 1,000 years old that has been preserved by generations of Irish farmers who cared for it. Uh, most of our farming down yeah. has been cattle herding. So it has had a very low impact on the archaeological landscape. So we have this astonishing fact that we can walk to a, an early medieval farmstead where people had their houses and their, their, their animals and where they raised their children and they cooked their food. And it, it's a thousand years old and we can walk up to it and probably nobody, probably almost nobody has been to visit it except us. Uh, um, uh, okay, you know, okay. stay with us, Aidan, because you, you, you've hit a rich theme there. I, I didn't think when we, we, we talked about this on Friday that we get... Uh, people say they love, and you, you've been a brilliant, brilliant uh, advocate, uh, the archaeology of the country. Uh, Avine Lamb, Yvonne or Avine? Even. Even, okay. Yeah. Even, um, tell us, what, what do you love about Ireland? Uh, I, I, the rock art um, just completely changed my life. Like, I love I love the rural countryside, and then more than anything, I love the rock art. What rock rock art? What is rock uh, art? Yeah, kind of. You know, it's the biggest amazing secret I think we have in the country. Um, all the carvings we have at Newgrange, like okay. the triple spiral and everything, we love them. Okay, oh, we know yeah. all about them. And um, 
and carry. You can go into a field, there's a, a rock on the ground, the sun shines the right way, and it lights up all these amazing carvings from 5,000 years ago. And they're still just there waiting to be seen. Um, yeah, so we have, we have um, you know, I first saw it uh, 10 years ago. I'd never heard about rock art, and uh, I was shown some in Kerry. And, uh, and now I think I found about 120, and all over the country from Donegal to Wexford, you know, um, Antrim to Kerry, there's a thousand pounds in a field. And can you, can you, you can go up to them, can't you? You can stand on them, I presume, mm. if, they, if they've survived this long. Yeah, you kind of maybe shouldn't really stand on them, okay. but... Um, <laughs> Could you dance they're, on them? They're all shapes and sizes. Yeah. yeah. yeah and okay. they're really, like, you can't see them unless the sun is shining the right I way. I didn't know that. So. I did not know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, Van, um, Aiden, Aiden well, rock art, you, you'll be familiar with that, I presume. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Another one of our... It's a, um, As Avian described it there, it's, it's, it's just spectacular stuff. I mean, okay. it's, we've it's found along the Atlantic coast of Europe, um, but we have uh, uh, very, very special collections of it. And exactly as Avian was saying, Irish archaeology, in Irish archaeology, you have the ability to go out into the landscape and find new archaeological sites that have never been seen before. Um, and you can do it on Google Earth, if you like. You can kind of comb through the landscape on Google Earth. You can start seeing enclosures. You can check that against the National Monument Service website. So you could be the first person to find a piece of rock art or a, a fairy fort or whatever that's been lost in the... Oh, absolutely! Okay. Oh, uh, okay. absolutely! Yeah, yeah, because okay. we have so, we have so much stuff. You okay, know, let's let's stick. Just, Aidan, you've 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 say you've hit a rich theme. Margaret <laughs> Darcy, you're enthusiastic. What you love about Ireland is our unequalled heritage. Yes, yes, okay. Joe. Um, yeah, from, from, from when I was a child, I had a sense of uh, uh, that that heritage, and in. Uh, when people were classified as pagans, pagan Ireland, and then we were hearing the stories about the, the sunrise and so on and yeah. so forth. And I have a, I have a wonderful book here now, Mythic Ireland by Michael James, that shows the connection between all the different sites of, of long ago, like Newgrange, Clockta here near me at the Hill of Ward. Ushnock in Westmead is the centre of it all. Uh, it, it was considered the fifth, uh, Mead, me was the fifth province. Province. Now, some say it was a mythical province, but um, Ushnock was the centre, and the sun shone through Ushnock on all these in, important mm-hmm. days, the solstices and the equinoxes and so on. And it's just fascinating how they were able to align all these places back thousands of years ago. Fantastic. And, and you live, um, you live uh, near the I hill felt tower, all, yes. And all those, that wonderful yeah. art then, I visited Loch Crewe, I visited Newgrange, whatever, um, the, the wonderful art on the stones in, in, inside in the tombs up on Shrevena College at Old Castle. Um, and what is uh, we Margaret, went there for can the I, spring equinox. Just for people who haven't done this and wouldn't uh, appreciate for whatever reason, um, what is the wow factor? When it, it's our connection to then. Okay. It, it's so powerful. And what I felt was there was such wisdom there then. And, you know, uh, different, different conquests then tried to eliminate it, you see. 
And uh, uh, well, we, I think we were lucky. I was saying that to your researcher there. Uh, when Patrick came, Patrick was captive first. Mm-hmm. And he uh, got to know the Irish people. When he came back then with Christianity, he was able to inco- allow us to incorporate it into our culture. And then we got, the, we got further uh, uh, religious art that, that, that's so powerful all these wonderful manuscripts from the from uh, the Middle Ages and all of that are earlier and um, uh, our, our Irish language Moncon McGann is doing wonders for it at the moment and Moncon has settled down in Collinstown near where I grew up right, and, McGann, um, yeah. on the shores of Loch Lane and he's, he sounds as enthusiastic as you do Mark, Mark you're a primary school teacher I was. And we've great teachers, haven't we? We've great teachers <laughs> yes. in the main. Now, the yeah. only thing I'll say about teaching, uh, compulsory Irish almost destroyed the language. Okay. And compulsory, compulsory religion. We need to encourage people. And uh, okay. um, some of my family even say, oh, Peg, don't mention Peg to me. You know, <laughs> but I, I mean, the heritage, the history yeah, from okay. the Glasgow well Island. Exactly. My God. Skellig, uh, Michael. I'm um, only yeah, realising yeah, that as I'm advancing in years. The Iron so, Islands, for God's sake. And the Ar- I, I think it's the islands. Yeah, yeah. And I think on the perimeter, I mean, Kerry is very rich. Yeah. In lore and I mean Donegal, Sligo, all the and Mayo. Then the Cade Fields were mentioned I'd there. I'd say you were a great teacher, Margaret. I don't. I'd say you're enthusiastic say and you had all the children hunting and, and yeah, yeah. exploring and discovering. I learned a lot in my. I I I learned a lot in my later years when I did various courses in uh, all of this, and we went on walks and okay. so on to beautiful places. Well, I mean. Well, I to tell you the truth, I wouldn't want to leave Ireland. Okay. And, Not and even on holidays. Okay, okay, okay. No. Uh, Margaret Darcy, good Lam. Thank you, uh, Aidan O'Sullivan, Professor of Archaeology, who started the segment out of nowhere and uh, has really... What, uh, is Aidan gone? I just wanted to ask Aidan as well. Is Aidan gone or is he back there? No, are you back there, Aidan? No, no, no. Okay, I just want to ask people what what the wow factor is. How can how can we enthuse other people to become interested in archaeology? Okay, Joe at RT.ie. We're doing Optimistic Monday, and we're basing it on a book uh, just published uh, called In Fact: An Optimist Guide to Ireland at One Hundred by Mark Henry. And if you want to cheer yourself up, as Professor Luke O'Neill says in the cover, this is the book, and it but it's full of facts and figures. Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. It's optimistic Monday. Why, Mark, do we find the positivity hard to believe? <laughs> well, you know, in a way, it does go back to some of what we just heard there in terms of ancient uh, evolution. Because, you know, as human beings, we had to survive, right? So our ancestors were all tuned to watching out for the risk and the danger. You know, it was mm-hmm. the, the ancestor who spotted the lion coming, got, ran first, got to live to tell the tale, you know. So so we we are tuned towards looking out for the negative. And there have been lots of great psychology studies about this. I mean, talk about one in the book that was done in, in, in Montreal's McGill University. And they brought people in and they said, we're going to do an eye tracking study now. So just look at the camera there and we're going to track you and see what you're looking at on the website. So just, just browse around the website there. And they had these news stories and they were perfectly balanced, positive, negative. And just, there wasn't any camera. It was really just to see what people were viewing and what they chose to look at. And of course, more people went to the negative news stories and the more interested people in politics and and current affairs were, the more they went to the negative news stories. So it is a natural tendency. 
But, you know, in the modern era, that can be misleading because, you know, mm. oh God, no, when we were younger, right? We, you know, we had lucky maybe f- if we had four TV channels, we were lucky. If we had uh, one newspaper then that arrived the next day that told us all we needed to know for the day, we had to wait to the next day to find out what happened next in the story. Obviously, now we have news 24-7, obviously, uh, in our pockets, in our hands, on TV, of course. But the point is that can just play to that negative bias. That can mean that we, we give too much attention to the negative because that's what that is what interests us. That is what broadcasters and media are correctly serving us. That is what we are interested in. But I wrote the book for a bit of balance, just let every now and again, we actually have to just step back, put mm. that in context and say, well, do you know what? That's not the big picture. The big picture actually tells a different story. Okay, Jane Porcel. Jane, good afternoon. Joe at RT.E, 5155. What do you love about Ireland? Jane. I love the wit of Ireland, Joe. The, the, okay. we, we have a great ability for us to laugh at ourselves. Okay. <laughs> and you know, like if you went to America and said, "How was it? How was how was the crack going?" To tell you, to think you were on drugs, Joe. I know that. I know that. I, I know get that. up the yard, or does a smell of Benji off you? Know. It's do we have it, and you know where it's the best wit is in Dublin, Joe. I worked in jo- Dublin all my life, and you know the best wit is the liberties in Dublin, the true dubs, Joe. Yeah. And we get a lot of them down here in Wexford, and they're always welcome. Very sharp, hard to beat. Yeah, hard to beat, Joe. And mm. I will never use our sense of humour. And you know the song that I really love is when the rugby match is on in Ireland, Ireland, you know, and Ireland's it's called, yeah, so cool proud to, to be Irish. And Jane, have you travelled a lot? I have, Joe, yeah. And where have you travelled? Well, I've travelled a lot of Europe, America, the Far East okay. and New Zealand. So how do, how do when, you, when you're when you coming back into Dublin Airport or whatever, what's the sensation? Oh, I get a great sense, Joe. I get flutters. It's the only flutter I'm getting. Not, it's a long time now since I had a flutter, Joe, and I mean in my heart. Yeah, I know. I'm looking I for know, an owl fella, Joe. Oh, I know. <laughs> you get the flutters when you come in over a house. Yeah, and I see the Aer Lingus playing, Joe, landing. Oh, you do, you do. You're proud to be Irish and there's nobody like us Irish no matter where you go in the world and you've been to I see China New Zealand and we're yeah. still we're still up there yeah def- number one Joe number one okay, okay. <laughs> Betty stay there and Jane. a happy Christmas to everybody you too many more of them please God Betty Daly Betty how are you Joe what do you love about Ireland like as that girl said Jane. a sense of humour all the sayings we have and, you know, greeting people, even when we don't know them, and saying, good night, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> saying thanks, them when we saying don't thanks to the them. bus man. Yeah. To the bus driver, yeah. yeah. When we're getting off. Yeah. And did you ever live abroad, Betty? I, I was in England for a few years, you know. And how did that go? I hated every day of it. Oh, God. I was comparing the milk, the bread, the hairy bacon. <laughs> it was... With ours. It was saying the other day he landed in Dublin Airport and he uh, he burst into tears when he saw the ad for Brennan's bread. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tell air bread is beautiful, isn't it? It is lovely. Brennan's yeah. bread. And when you were growing up, because Mark in his book has shown the difference. It's over a hundred years, but the difference yeah. is just phenomenal. What was it like, say, in the fifties or sixties at Christmas compared uh, to don't now? Don't talk to me. Christmas week, my mother would empty out the press the food to make. Room for the Christmas festive food, right? Okay. So you could have beans and cabbage and fish on the one plate. <laughs> <laughs> and there'd be a little Christmas uh, cabinet in the corner. I wonder where you'd, and you couldn't touch it. Uh, well, we didn't know where she put them. I don't okay. know where she hid them. <laughs> she hid them. You, you couldn't touch them. No, but, they were for Santa. But now we have 
Well, we've we've in the main again in the main there are caveats, but in the main we're are we are, we're we're better fed, aren't we, Mark? We are. Believe it or not, we eat twice as much fruit and veg as we did sixty years ago. You know, okay. uh, and you know we are, of course, in terms of food. Now we're a huge exporter, so yeah. you know we're actually in the northern hemisphere. For example, we export more beef than any other country. And that's not per capita. That's like in absolute terms. We export more beef than anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. So obviously our food and our drink exports indeed have been, have been a huge success and a huge bit of our success story. Although I'd like to think, you know, one of the positives I write about in the book is how we have colonised the globe through Irish pubs. I think that's a great thing. I mean, this is exporting our humour, our conviviality. Yeah, that's in a great way. There's more than 12,000 of them. I couldn't get a definite answer as to exactly how many there were, particularly in North America. 12,000 Irish at pubs least, at least. At least. You know, the sun never sets on our empire nowadays, <laughs> Joe. If our empire is mulligans and uh, the old stand. And, uh, OK, back after this, I'm uh, with Mark Henry. We were talking about uh, why this should be uh, Optimistic Monday. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. People have been talking about uh, our music. Padar Orida. Padar, good afternoon. Padar. Come on, come on, Fad. Padar, a musician, composer, uh, not just uh, in your own right, but passing it on as well as in. Inheriting it from from your father, Sean O'Reilly. What do you love about Ireland, Father? Well, if you love Ireland, you have to love its people also. And we're a very old people. We talk about Celts, but we're there long before the Celts came. And there's a very important strand in our DNA, which is the true thing that we should value above all else, and that is the idea of generosity and sharing and welcoming the stranger, mm-hmm. which is so typical of Christmas. So, like long ago, you know, in Ireland, in our own society, before the European model arrived in, you, everything was local. The priest came locally, the druid came locally, the doctor came to you, the, the, the judge came to you. You didn't go to a court in town, you didn't go to a hospital in town, you didn't go anywhere else, you stayed, and everything came to you. Yeah. And that developed local dialects and local music and all that kind of stuff. But more importantly, it meant that you always had to welcome the stranger and you had to mind them. You had to provide them with food and shelter when they were in your place. And that gene is still with us today. Uh, and you can see it most most clearly when it comes to things like charity, when people are asked to give. Um, and I think of Christmas, of course. That's why we put a candle in the window to guide the stranger to the house to say they'd be welcome here in this house. And that's the most important thing about uh, all this old COVID and all this stuff. COVID is like the harbinger or the, the messenger about the other greater difficulties facing us, which is climate change and so on. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is the way we, our hope to survive all that stuff is together as a community, street by street, village by village, family, extended family by extended family as a community. And the basic law of that is to mind each other, yeah. welcome the stranger, feed the stranger, shelter the stranger. That's well the message said. of Christmas. Well said, Father. Well and it's our genes. It's in our yeah. genes, Joe. It's, it's, it's part of us. And when we relax and when we stop trying to be somebody else, that's what comes out. And just on, on the, the macro mark from what Pat is saying, we are, we're up there when it comes to overseas aid, aren't we per capita again? We are. Do you know what I mean? Actually, there's a really fundamental point to what Pader is saying there. We believe we are a generous people. 
we are a generous people. I've presented the, the evidence there in the book, in fact, because our surveys were done every year across the world in terms of people saying, well, have you given to charity mm-hmm. financially? Have you given your time to charity? Uh, have you helped a stranger? And the Irish are the number one in Europe in terms of people who've said uh, that they are. So so we are, in fact, one of the most generous people in the world. And as you point out, not just actually as individuals, but also through the government, we are now one of the top spenders in overseas development aid. I mean, there's a long tradition, of course, I write about in the book, going back to the missionaries and all that. We've had a very outward looking, mm-hmm. even when we, we weren't wealthy as a country, we were there, you know, fundraising for the missions and sending support to the world's poorest. Now, per capita, we're in the top 10 countries that are contributing to helping the rest of the world. I mean, I, I, you know, we've got more to go, but I have to say, I think we're in a great position. Okay, okay. Father, what are, are you doing midnight mass in Kilay? <laughs> we're always beating Good. our saucers and pots and pens in the church in Kilay. Even in the height of COVID, we never gave up. So we're okay. at it. We're online since the doors were locked. In us, but we're, oh, you're we're online. Still, Brilliant. Yeah. So people can tune in. Yeah, we're on the old Facebook, as a lot of parishes are now. But yeah, so we're always everywhere. And there's a thing coming up with Simon. Um, I was involved in, up in Dublin last night about it. I asked people to give generously when that appears towards the week, the end of the week. Yeah, yeah, Simon Community, another great campaign. Padre Arita, go to Mila Market. That's Padre Arita. We are uh, talking about why today should be christened Optimistic Monday based on a factual book called, in fact, An Optimist Guide to Ireland at 100. Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Okay, what do you love about Ireland? Mark, you're saying there, we are very good, we're high up there when it comes to peacekeeping through our army, obviously, and our Gardaí. Exactly. We have the longest uh, unbroken record of United Nations peacekeeping uh, back to the 1950s. And uh, again, in terms of a country of our size, the amount of troops we contribute to peacekeeping, uh, greatest in all of Europe. So, so I mean, obviously that has been uh, uh, instrumental in terms of Ireland's contribution to peace mm-hmm. around the world. We hear regularly, of course, about the troops that are serving in Lebanon or in Africa these days. Uh, so I, I think that has been part of the evidence of Ireland giving back to the world, you know, and, and that... that uh, we talked about it before the break in terms of overseas development aid, in terms of our generosity. We've had that external support for others. We've had that sense of community that even stretches beyond our own borders. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've contributed so much to the world. Again, I talk in the book about, uh, it was a survey done called the Good Country Index uh, a few years ago. And it didn't measure what the country itself did for its people. It actually measured what the people of country did for others around the world. And Ireland came the very first in the world the first time they did it, number one. Now, I've dropped down the rankings a little bit since and I asked them why. And I said, well, you know, the guy who ran the survey said, well, just because the competition is increasing, everyone's uh, doing their bit a bit more. Uh, But we're still well up there. And, uh, you know, I think that's partly comes from our emigration tradition that we had. Partly we talked about the missionaries earlier and their contribution to the world. We're a small country. But our openness has served us very well. And that, in turn, has had all sorts of benefits from us in terms of Irish people getting out there, contribute to the world, bringing people in here and bringing investment in here. And all that has, has been a virtuous circle for us, helping to improve the quality of life for people here today. OK, and I'd also remind listeners that uh, there's a section at the end of Mark's book uh, saying, listing uh, areas where there's room to improve, which he, I know he, he caveats every... Uh, when you give facts and figures, you have to throw in that caveat. Of course, there's room to improve. Should we do that every other day on Live Line? Stuart Downey, Stuart, good afternoon. 
Joe, how are you? You're the man who invented the uniquely Irish phenomenon that is the spectacular Christmas tractor run. Uh, what do you love about Ireland, Stuart? Uh, community, Joe. Okay. Uh, it's just everyone, you know, everyone rallies around each other, like, and uh, no matter when you put out a call that you need a hand or you need a help with something. Okay, excuse me. The Irish people, they just, they, they can lend a hand to anything. The GAA are so big and so important, aren't they? GAA are massive, yeah. You're massive part of community. Like, I mean, it's where you you take your first kick of the ball or your first swing of the stator, like, you know. Yeah. And that's where you build up your friends there pretty much for life, you know. You play through the gate, play through the ranks the whole way up. And Mark, in terms of... Stay with us, Stuart, but the, the, you mentioned our community. We are now an urban country, aren't we, rather than 100 years ago when we were rural. What's the facts and figures on that? Exactly, exactly. Back in the 1920s, two-thirds of people were living in rural environments. Okay. Today, two-thirds of us, and of a much bigger us, uh, live in urban environments. Okay. You know, so, so we have gone that transformation, but we haven't lost that sense of community. And, and to me, I, you know, I call community out as one of the four factors that account for our success because... I talked at the beginning about how the United Nations says we're second best in the world. If we weren't in 1980, in 19, when they first started their surveys at the end of the 80s, early 90s, Ireland was the, had the 23rd best quality of life in the world, right? So we've, oh, we've grown faster than any other developed nation over the last 30 years in terms of quality of life. Why? I think our community is part of that, our sense of fairness. We have tried to help each other out and raise our uh, bones mm. together. We talked about the power of education as well earlier, giving people the individual ability to contribute and to you know get better jobs and contribute more fully. I think our stability is also uh, true, if you think about it. I mean, we're actually only one of a dozen countries to have been democratic throughout that last century. I mean, now we know with our okay. history, we stayed out of World War Two, yeah. But, you know, that's given us strong institutions of state. We have a fairness uh, in terms of institutions. We, you know, we haven't had strong swings of policy to the far left or the far right. You know, we don't have the political divisiveness in the same way as Britain or America does. That stood us in good stead. That stood us in good stead in terms of encouraging entrepreneurs to start businesses, encouraging people to invest, encouraging people to take risks, encouraging inward investment. So all, you know, our stability, I think, is, is is another factor combined with that openness. We are open to the world and that has meant we've been able to learn from the best, apply the best and bring the best into Ireland and all, all that has been to our benefit. And what about the GAA? That's a unique organisation. Yeah, you know, because I think if you think about that, you know, in 1920s, there was no guarantee that we would be GAA, they'll be Ireland's most popular sport today, mm. most played sport, most loved sport. That's what the, the survey show. You know, we, we, there are so many other things, obviously, from soccer to, yeah. to basketball that could have taken over. But no, uh, but I did I did look at, you know, I suppose what sport can the Irish claim on a global stage to be best at? Because, of course, we could be best okay, at Gabba. Okay, that doesn't help okay, us. Yeah. The answer is horse racing. Horse hmm. racing, as a, as a quote from, from uh, someone in the book says, when, when they see the Irish coming, it's like the All Blacks. Uh, in terms of the quality of the, of the racing horses hmm. of themselves, the quality of the, of the jockeys, uh, Ireland has literally got an industry there that is, is world beating and produces uh, a, a amount of um, a record amount of, uh, of quality breeding here than, than any other country. Uh, so we're, we're actually our leader in horse racing. We give it perhaps not as much credit as it deserves. Yes, that's Sheila O'Neill, Sheila, you listen to Mark there and you say uh, one of the th- things you love most about Ireland is the GAA. Is the GAA, is right. And oh. the reason I'm going to tell you, and I'm delighted to have this opportunity to convey my thanks to, I'm here in Knesset and County Mead, Harding, Knesset, right? 
but my daughter was very ill mm-hmm. some years ago with cancer. And it's my opportunity to thank the whole community how good they were to her. And we're a fantastic club here and they think of everybody. And it's my opportunity to thank them most sincerely okay. for everything and they've the GA, done. And the GAA really came up Trump's uh, oh, in, yes, in, during did. the pandemic. They, yes, they became yes, very much right. a social organisation as well as a sports organisation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And and what's I your local love, club, I Sheila? I love every one of them. What's, what's, your, what's your local club, Sheila? Uh, Kilmesson. Kilmesson. In Kilmesson. Okay. And I just, it's a golden opportunity to thank them most sincerely okay. for everything that's done. Well, that's done. well said. That's and thank well God said. My, my daughter as well. Great, great and, news. Great uh, news. Okay. Another young girl as well. So, oh, Joe, well done. it's a marvellous opportunity to okay. thank everybody. And well said, done. Sheila. Well said in the day that's in it. Councillor Patrick O'Connor and Scartine and Kerry from Mead to their uh, old GAA rivals in Kerry. Uh, Patrick, you love the accents. I do. I, uh, I suppose when I was away in college or I was, I was in London there for a few years as well and coming home, especially around Christmas time, uh, just coming home and hearing the, the different accents and like in Kerry alone, I could I could differentiate between we'll say five different accents, you know. So mm. I just like the I suppose the, the the different accents from you know, and even if I'm up the country, I like to hear an accent in some other part of the country as well. Look, it's just I suppose the lilt and the, the okay. kind of. And would you know what? And, would you know what part of Kerry people are from by their accents? Oh, I would. I would. Yeah. How I many would. accents other than Kerry? Well, like, geez, that, in my <laughs> opinion, there's at least five. Okay. Um, I'd say, like, you'd have, I could I could kind of pick someone out and I'd say, well, they're from North Kerry, or I'd say there's yeah. a different one for the Dingle Peninsula, which, you know, for me stands out uh, quite a lot. Tralee Town, uh, Killarney Town, even where I'm from myself, we'll say Kenmare, where we're in between the, the Beira Peninsula and the Evera Peninsula, so I'll, you're near West Cork there, so there, there's a kind of an influence there, or we'll mm-hmm. say the people in North Kerry would have an influence from, from the Limerick side. So it's, um, yeah, I can I can differentiate between them, do you know? So it's, uh, and I suppose, look, they're shaped by the, they, they often say, look, people are shaped by the landscape they're from. Yeah. So we'll say in parts of Kerry there, we'd have various mountain ranges, be it the McGillicuddy Reeks or the Caha Mountains or the, Brandon there on the on the Dingle Peninsula, whereas we'll say the flatter country then up up the north of the county they they speak differently, do you know? So the, the, the better land. I see other people are texting to say the scenery. Well, Kerry has plenty of that, hasn't it? The it beauty, has. the beauty, the beauty. Yeah, it's, it's it's the mountains that kind of if you're coming into the county and whatever side, you just see the mountains first off, and uh, yeah, the landscape. And look, we've 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 three different peninsulas there and it's just uh, the lakes and the mountains and the whole the whole lot but uh, you know I, I just I just love the the various I can as I say I can pick out the different parts of Kerry that people are from as well okay you unique know, beautiful beautiful and the McGillicuddy Riggs of course 
class and the, the bit of charm as well. Okay. You know? Well, said, Patrick, that's Councillor Patrick O'Connor uh, in uh, Scartine in Kerry. Mark, uh, on the, like, on employment and unemployment, is it, are we numbers-wise comparatively? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, COVID has interrupted things a little bit. I mean, before then, we essentially had as close as we've got to, to, to the lowest employment we've ever had, lowest unemployment, okay. I should say, we've ever had. I mean, for, for, for most of the Irish states, we only had a million people in jobs from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. We only yeah. had a million people in work. Right? And then that Celtic Tiger boom, that export boom did genuinely have real impact. Within 15 years, we doubled that to more than 2 million in employment. Now, we lost some again, of course, in the in the Great Recession. But by 2019, before COVID, we were back to record levels, 2.3 million. Never had as many people in jobs. So we had done really well. Unemployment was down to, to 6% and, and below. Now, looking forward, you know, the, the, the experts and the, the muffins in the central bank and so on said we'll be back to that in just two years' time. Uh, so, you know, the, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic, uh, I think, when you look out as well. 2.4 million people working, and now I know we're in a, a difficult period, but every country is, unfortunately. We're, we're all, as nations, we're all in this together. But 2.4 million people, as opposed to 1 million, just over 1 million in 1977. Exactly. Do you know, so the, pop, the population has gone up. I was only saying this to, to somebody yesterday about the book. You know, when we grew up, you had in your mind, well, how many people are, live in Ireland? And you used to think, was well, about three, is it three and a half? No, actually now there's five. This year, mm. So I said, well, this year uh, we've hit five million people living on the island of Ireland. We've had that huge growth. And in fact, it isn't that we're having a lot more babies because actually that isn't it at all. Uh, on average now, uh, we're not having enough babies to replace the population. This is predominantly oh, been immigration that has generated that very positive output for us. And we'll need more and more people to come in in order to see that figure grow again. But yeah, in terms of babies, you know, you, you actually need to have each, each uh, woman of childbearing age needs to have an average of 2.1 children to simply replace the parents and allow, dare I say it, for those who won't unfortunately mm-hmm. live to be adults. Uh, at the moment, we're, we've reached, uh, I think it's 1.5, I think it is. We're, we're on the way down now in terms of the amount of children okay. we're having. Okay. Uh, we're still having a bit more than a lot of Europe. Europe, so, yeah. yeah, but what we're actually not producing enough kids to replace us all, okay. Joe. That's interesting. Bill is in Kildare. Bill. Hello, Joe. How are you? What do you love about Ireland? The people and the places. I think it's a, a team, isn't it? That it's a recurring team now mm-hmm. from listening to the program so far, and uh, definitely the, 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 the people. You know, uh, even in terms of the very first time I came to Ireland and the first bus ride that I took, uh, going from the the, the Navan Road uh, in, into town, it, it was a long time ago, 1984. Actually, okay. 1980 when I first came to Ireland, and I'm a Malaysian-born Indian. Okay. So, as you can imagine, I would have looked a bit different to the rest of the people yeah, on the bus. Yeah. So, it was all the um, pensioners were getting on the bus, and this lady came up, sat beside me, and just said, "Lovely colour." <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> and and uh, uh, she said nothing else. And then a, 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 an ambulance went past the bus, and uh, she said um, to the child sitting beside me, "Oh, look at the bebo." And then she looked straight up in my face and says, "Are you a doctor?" So you can imagine, it was a time when most brown-faced people were doctors in this country. Yeah. And, I, you know, I say that tongue-in-cheek, you know, it, it's not it's not racist for me to say that because I'm Irish, uh, Indian, yeah, of Indian yeah, extraction. Of but, so, um, yeah, the people have to be, at the top, you know, the, 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 it's, the gentle giants is what I call Irish people. They're actually a very caring lot. 
They have mm. a great sense of humour. And I think there's a connection with the north of India as well, because um, where I come from, the Punjab, they actually call us the Irish of India. Oh, okay, yeah. And so um, there's, there's, there's a connection there as well. So you'll have gathered by, by now, um, my parents are Indian. I was born in Malaysia. I was educated in England. And I'm married since 1984 and uh, living in Ireland uh, with with um, five grown-up kids now at this stage who are groaning if they, any of them are hearing this program. I now. know, I know. Saying, I know. Oh no, that is on about all that again. <laughs> and what, what he loves about it. Stay there, Bill. Bill is in Kildare at the moment, originally from Malaysia. Min Lee has just landed in Dublin Airport. Uh, where, where, what, what do you, well, I, I, I don't know, you here long enough to love Ireland. Hi, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I have been to Ireland for maybe around six times. Oh, great! Yeah, and uh, so I so I was on the way back to Tipperary. Yeah, and when I hear uh, your channel about how do I like people and how do I like Ireland, uh-huh. so I just want to speak about my opinion. Yes, that uh, Irish people are so generous and warm and welcome, and I really love Ireland so much. I feel like it's home, uh, even I'm it's far away from my home. I'm from Vietnam. Okay. And uh, so, and yeah. So have you lived? Where have you lived, Minli? I'm I'm living in Brussels. Okay. Yeah. And have you lived in other countries? Uh, yes, in Vietnam. Okay. In uh, Singapore. Okay. Philippines. Oh, God. and Belgium. Obviously, living in Brussels. Um, and and it, what you love about Ireland is its people and its friendliness and its generosity and its yes. Its so, uh, and the service here is wonderful. When I just come uh, to Ireland, I mean, like from when I was in Belgium, and I just when I arrived Ireland, I could feel the different service and everything, and the landscape spectacular. It's very green. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, sure is. Yeah. Yes. And, and what? Uh, yeah. And what? What brought you to, to Ireland, Minley? So I mostly I spend my time in Tipperary, but I visit around uh, Kerry, mm-hmm. Dublin, uh, and other places like um, uh, Cork, around Cork. Uh, Oh, you've been and and what brought you to Ireland in the first place? Why did you come to Ireland? Okay, so my boyfriend is from Ireland. Oh, great. And he's nice. missing uh, Tipperary, so uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, well, enjoy your stay, uh, Min Lee. Uh, you're very welcome, as you know. And um, go safely on your journey to Tipperary. Afra Crone and Afra is in Waterford. What do you love about Ireland? Hi, Joe. How are Thanks. you? Good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. I only sent in a little lad, actually. Okay. I enjoy using the, the generosity of spirit of uh, the Irish. Uh, we run a small little eco-group here in Tremor, Tremor eco-group. Okay. And we find if we have any good idea at all, the statutory bodies tend to give us the funding for most of it. And the local people then fall in as well. But tomorrow morning, the reason I sent you the little note was yeah. we're having a solstice morning. Oh, and Midwinter's it's, Day it's, tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, tomorrow morning, yes. Yeah. And it's to celebrate the cultural diversity of the community. Uh, Tremor has changed radically, even in the 10 years since I came back here. So it's to invite people. We didn't have a musician, but while I was waiting for you, uh, David rang and he thinks he has succeeded in having a musician. 
So that will cheer us up a little bit. It's very small, very solemn, very quiet. Okay. Um, okay. And just literally to celebrate that. And tomorrow yeah. is two one one two two one. <laughs> Not that's the day, exactly tomorrow. that's what oh, starts okay. the thought in my head. Okay, okay. Mark, you, Mark, you want to. thanks, Afra, Afra Cronin Thank and Watford. And Watford recently voted by the Irish Times best place to live in Ireland. Mark, yeah, do you know because we've touched there on quite a bit of the environment, you know, and, and I think it's true to say that for a lot of the hundred years of Ireland, we weren't thinking twice about the environment really. Uh, but I, I feel we've made great progress in getting our act together. I mean, some some things have changed fundamentally. We heard people there talking about how green Ireland is. In 1922, only one percent of our land was forested. Only one percent. It's currently eleven. Okay. So we've gone yeah. through this huge transformation. Do you know, now, are they the right trees? Okay, we're learning and we're making, mm. we need to go further. But we've made good progress. Air pollution, right? I remember when I was in college at UCD, standing across the road from here, Joe, looking back towards Dublin City, covered in, it wasn't fog, it was smog in the evenings, waiting for the bus. You could you could breathe in. If you breathe in too deeply, you felt it in your lungs. We've eliminated that. We've significantly addressed air pollution and improved quality of life for people. We're making a lot of good progress in the environment. A lot more to go, of course. But our homes are hugely more energy efficient than they, they ever were in the past. As anyone who's bought one in the last 10 or 20 years will be lucky enough to get one, will tell you. Uh, so, so, again, things moving completely in the right direction. Okay, well said. Back after this break, Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. What do you love about Ireland, Paddy O'Reilly? Paddy, good afternoon. I love the old trains, Joe. What? I walked back in the 50s on the radio train as a waiter. Yeah? What was a radio train? The radio train was uh, went on a Tuesday to Killarney okay. and towards it to Galway. Yeah. And there was uh, around 300 and odd people on it. Okay. And there was a big long kitchen car. <laughs> and there was two waiters to each coach which had 60 odd people in it. Okay. And when the chair did go up, you'd be looking to see where you're on the first coach. Or the third one away because you afford it to carry the plates. Oh, of course. If you carry six or seven the, plates on your did, arm up the coach. And did they play the radio on the radio train? There was a, a coach which was a radio station. Ah. And like yourself, I think the guy's name was Tracy as far as I can remember. Okay. But he'd call out Mr. or Mrs. So and so okay. and they'd go up to the coach and he'd Oh, I'm from America or wherever. Well, he'd interviewed him. He'd interviewed him, yeah. yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And you could all listen in on the train. Yeah. And as soon as you pulled out Kingsbridge to go to Killarney, mm-hmm. they were served uh, tea or coffee. Right. And an hour before you got to Killarney, okay. the head waiter would say, right, let's go. And we'd have to have the meal, the four-course meal out to everyone on the train by the time we got to Killarney. And then would the same people come back? Was it a day trip? They'd, a day trip. They'd go oh, off yeah. on the, on the oh, coach okay. on the, the radio around trains. the lake. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they'd come back at tea time. Okay. And we'd pull out Killarney. As soon as we pulled out Killarney, those, they had a bacon, egg and sausage and all the trimmings. And you had to carry these delf pots of tea, four of them on a tray, 
as I say, hoping to be in the first coach. If not, I'm you have to that, walk up two or three coaches. Doing a marathon. And how long were you working on the trains, Paddy? I was on them for five or six years. OK, and you loved it, you loved it. Yeah, and then one year I'd done a, a trip around all around with the directors of CIE. There was okay. 24 directors on the wives. And we had the Queen's coach. I don't know whether you heard it or not. No, I haven't, no, no. It's up in Inchicore Works. Oh, beautiful, yeah. And it's all hand-carved oh, and all magic. beautiful. Oh, magic, yeah. And we went, every track in Ireland, we went round with the directors. Oh, super, super. And then we'd head back to Athlone, and they were, the first time they were putting a boat on the Shannon, called the St. Brendan. Yeah. We went from Killaloo, yeah, from Killaloo okay. to Athlone. We were seven hours on the Shannon. And as we went through each of the different towns, there was people out waving at us and all because it was the first trip for the boat. But they were the directors. So that was that was a great time. That's Paddy O'Reilly. Paddy who worked on the railways for years and absolutely still still loves them. The the women are uh, the improvements for women. At last. Yeah, hugely, hugely so. And I'm, I'm hoping all our female listeners will agree. I mean, you go back to the 1970s, you know, seven in 10 uh, women, uh, or adult women, were working in the home. Uh, you had roughly two in 10 uh, were working in the workplace. Of course, it was the marriage bar. You know, you had to give up employment believe, uh, yeah, exactly yeah. if you married. But, you know, obviously that has transformed. I mean, it's the other way around now. 1996 is actually the, the key year. I call it the big crossover. That was the point at which, for the first time, more women were found in the workplace uh, than home duties. And of course, now it's reversed. So there's more six in 10 now are in the workplace. Two in 10 are full-time home duties. And of course, a chunk now are in education, which uh, wasn't even so much a thing before. So so a huge uh, transformation there in terms of numbers in the workforce. Of course, we we're actually uh, had them at the highest level because, of course, we've had a female head of state uh, for three terms between, of course, the three uh, terms of the mm-hmm. president, uh, between the two Marys. When uh, that puts us in the top three in terms of countries with female leadership, leadership 21 years there, out of the last 50, we've had a female president okay. and only two countries beat us on that. OK, Conor Lynch. Conor, before we finish, Conor, what do you love about Ireland? Uh, I love about, what I love about Ireland is everything that has been referred to so far in the programme, but in particular in relation to my own place in County Clare, I just love the stone walls. And I know another uh, okay. caller in referred to the stone, but the stone walls in County Clare, they just make my heart smile. You're stone mad about Ireland. You really are. Exactly. And you say your brother said to you a few years ago, why don't you emigrate? My brother asked me about 25 or 30 years ago, why did you never emigrate? Yeah. I I didn't have the answer at the time, but the answer is, I I would have missed looking at the stone walls. Okay. Okay. A long time ago, we were going to a football match and a buddy of mine asked, what do you look at when you're travelling? I said, I look at the stone wall. Well done, well done. Says it Don't all. Man. Connor Lynch, got to meet him. Got the book uh, that inspired today's programme is called In Fact, An Optimist Guide to Ireland at 100 Mark Henry by Mark Henry, who's been with us for the programme, published uh, by Gill. Uh, well well done, Mark, and a happy Christmas to you uh, and yours. We're back tomorrow at one forty-five with the first of our two programmes on self-published books inundated with books inundated with books today's programme is produced by Annette Egan and Ray Darcy's next Live Line on RTE Radio 1 with Kia Discover our 2 to 1 offers at your local Kia dealer
For more, log on to kia.com. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.